So today we're continuing our series on um, uh, called Unrestricted. And basically we've been talking about restrictions that hold us back. And our theme verse is Hebrews uh, chapter 12 and verse 1 where, Paul, where the, uh, the, the author of Hebrews says, Hey, strip off every weight and every sin that so easily weighs you down or trips you up so that you can run the race that God has for you. And so we've been talking about sometimes we have things in our life that trip us up, that keep us, hold us back. And week one, we talked about spiritual restrictions, spiritual constraints. And sometimes, you know, we're walking around in life like we're in the quicksand, and it's because we have a spiritual something or other holding us back. And the good news is that Jesus died on the cross to deliver us from every spiritual restriction. Amen? And then last week, we talked about the restriction, the mental restrictions. And sometimes, you know, we have some mental thinking patterns that are not lining up with God's word. And those belief systems, those mindsets hold us back from what God has for us. And so if we want to live better, we got to think better. Amen. And so we need the Lord to just deliver us from every stronghold and every mindset that is holding us back and keeping us from his purpose. Amen. Now, today we're going to talk about another what I believe is a vital restriction in our life, and it's called heart restrictions, heart restrictions. And, uh, you know, just as an unhealthy mind will hold you back, an unhealthy heart will hold you back. And so uh, Proverbs chapter four, verse 23 is a very famous verse, but it's really a powerful verse. And it says this, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Now, the Bible encourages us to guard our heart. To protect our heart like like it's the most precious thing. He said, guard it like you would be guarding your bank account. Amen. Some of us just said, okay, now I got it. Right? Guard it like, you know, for some men, like it's your tool shed. Amen. Guard it like it's your 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 gift certificate to the mall. Amen. He says, guard it. So the Bible says, protect your heart. And the reason is the condition of your heart affects everything else in your life. Everything else will be affected by the condition of your heart. You know what? Your, your physical health is affected by your, the health of your spiritual heart. Your relationships are affected by the condition of your heart. Your finances are affected by the condition of your heart. Your, um, your emotional health is affected by your, the condition of your heart. You know, so listen, as your heart goes, so goes your life. And so if you want your life to improve, if you want your life to get on better, on a better platform, you gotta pay attention to your heart. Can I get a better amen before I move on? Alright, just want to make sure that you're with me. You know, um, you know, I heard this story about, uh, this, this, uh, this Indian village in, like, South America. And uh, the, the village was known for its health, its physical health. People would live to an old age, and all of a sudden, things began to turn around, and people started getting sick. People started dying of dysentery and, and just getting all kind of different diseases. And they said, man, what's going on? And, and somebody that had the ability to uh, explore it and investigate it, they began to, uh, to try to figure it out. And they found out that the problem was in the water supply. And so they, they figured out where's the water supply. And in this case, their water supply came from up the mountain and it came down in a creek and they would get water out of the creek. And so they said, well, the water's contaminated. We need to go up the creek and find out what's contaminating the water. 
And so they went up the creek and they found out that there was a dead animal that had died in the creek and was decomposing in the creek. And it was causing all kind of bacteria and infections and all that to come right down the village. And everybody was just drinking the water and getting sick. And so they got rid of the dead animal out of the creek and all of a sudden everybody's health turned around. That story illustrates what happens when we have an unhealthy heart. An unhealthy heart is like having a dead animal in your life. And it'll contaminate everything else in your life. And if you get the dead animal out of your creek, out of the flow of your life, then you can have your health can turn around. Come on. Are y'all with me out there? And listen, you can't truly win in life and succeed if your heart is not at a healthy place. Now, the real challenge is this, is knowing whether your heart is in a healthy place or not. Jeremiah 17, 9 says the human heart is most deceitful and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? So Jeremiah says, listen, the heart is deceitful. In other words, your heart will lie to your mind. And he says, who knows how bad it, it really is? Deceitful means fraudulent, it means dishonest, it means misleading. And so our hearts have the ability to deceive us and make us think everything is all right when it's not. You know, a few years ago, I think it was in 2009, Michael Jackson died. And they said he died of a cardiac arrest that was induced by drugs. And, uh, and so I remember around that time, they asked the physician an important question. They said, listen, we heard that Michael Jackson had a complete physical just a few months ago. And the question was, since Michael had a complete physical just a few months earlier, wouldn't they have known that he had heart problems? And the physician that was being interviewed said, no, not necessarily. Because 90% of people that die of heart disease never even know they have it. And here's the point. What's true of our natural hearts can also be true of our spiritual hearts. We can be suffering from spiritual heart disease and never even know that we have it. Like the physical heart, the spiritual heart is hard to diagnose. And so the question is, how do we really know whether our heart is right or not? Well, how many of you know the Lord has given us diagnostic tools? And one of those tools is scripture to help us know whether our heart is right or not. So I want to look at some common symptoms of a spiritually unhealthy heart. And the first one is this, an impure heart. In Matthew chapter 5 and verse 8, Jesus was teaching on the Sermon on the Mount and he said this, Blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. So he says, listen, if you want to be blessed and you want to see God show up in your life, you have to seek him. You have to seek and desire a pure heart before God. You know, an impure heart is just a heart that's been contaminated by sin. And whenever sin contaminates your heart, it's no longer pure, it's impure. Now, the truth is, all of us have been contaminated by sin, right? Romans 3.23 says we've all sinned. Everybody sins. But the question is, are we willing to deal with the sin in our lives? That's the question. And so 1 John 1.9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so John, 1 John says, we have to confess our sins. You know what that means? It means to agree with God and be willing to openly admit wrong before God. How many of you have sinned before God? 
Let's see if you're willing to openly admit that. So to have a pure heart before God, you have to be willing to own up. You got to be willing to own up. You can't excuse it. And you can't give it a a nice name. You got to own up. It's sin. And here's the problem. Or, Or rather the promise. He said, if we're willing to own up, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. How many of you know that's good news this morning? Now, the Bible says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. God blesses us whenever we work for a pure, a pure heart, when we desire a pure heart. And he says, listen, if you want to see God operate in your life, work in your life, show up in your circumstances, in your situations, you got to do everything you can to serve God with a pure heart. Amen. Now, the key to having a healthy and a pure heart is this. Just be willing to openly admit your sins before God. that's not really complicated, is it? But, you know, sometimes we'll we'll say, you know, we'll just we'll just fluff it up, you know, and we won't call it what it is. But you just got to call it what it is. And so King David, you remember whenever he was suffering from an impure heart and he'd sinned with Bathsheba, he'd murdered Uriah. Remember that? He said, you know, listen, he was in an impure state. But he wanted a pure heart. And he said, Lord, create in me a pure heart. But it wasn't until he admitted where he was at. And that's when the Lord moved. And look what it says in verse Psalm 32, 4. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy upon me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. And finally, I confessed all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. And I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord. And you forgave me. And all my guilt is gone. Amen. David's life changed that day. The day that he was willing to own up. And you remember, if you remember the story, the, the prophet, uh, it was, uh, was it Nathan that came to him and told him a story about, you know, uh, you know, this family that had only one lamb and a foreigner came in and the, and the king took his only little lamb and, and cooked it to feed the foreigner. And David's like, oh, where is that king? And he said, you're the guy. Remember that? And conviction came on him. And when conviction came on him, he repented. And he said, Lord, please forgive me. And that's when they changed. So here's the promise. If we will seek for pure heart, God will move in our lives. Amen? Now listen, it doesn't mean that David didn't suffer consequences for his sin. We know that he suffered greatly. But you know what? David's life changed that day. And the end commentary of his story is David was a man after God's own heart. Amen. And so I just want to encourage you today to just seek to be healed of an impure heart so that you can come before the Lord with clean hands and a pure heart. Amen. If you if you receive that today, say amen. Amen. A second symptom of an unhealthy heart is a troubled heart. A troubled heart is a heart that is heavy, that is, is weighed down with, with anxiety and worry and stress and, and grief and fear. And, and a troubled heart is a heart that is just weighed down emotionally. And, and uh, Proverbs 12.25 says, an anxious heart weighs a man down. And how many of you know you can't really thrive in life if you're living with a heavy heart? If you're living emotionally heavy, weighed down, 
weighed down with stress or fear or worry or grief or sorrow. In fact, the Bible says in Proverbs 12, 25, anxiety in the heart of man causes depression. So depression is a symptom of an emotionally diseased heart that needs to be healed. And so then the question is, what do you do about that? What do you do about it? Well, John 14, 27, Jesus said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. And so I believe the key to being healed of a heavy emotionally heart, a heaven, uh, um, an emotionally heavy heart is to be willing to just open up your heart to the Lord and turn to Jesus and acknowledge, Lord, I got a heavy heart and I need healing. Amen. I mean, you know, Jesus wants to heal our troubled hearts. That's why he said, don't let your heart be troubled. Remember when Mary and Martha lost their, their brother, Lazarus, and they were obviously emotionally weighed down. And, um, and in John 11, uh, Jesus shows up and, and it says, when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and he said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had, had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? They asked, come and see, Lord, they re- replied. And Jesus wept. It's the shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus wept. What is that telling us? That's telling us that just as Jesus was moved with compassion for Mary and Martha, his heart is moved for you and I when our heart is not right. Now listen, man, it's hard to get an emotionally troubled heart healed in this, in this world. But Jesus died so that we could have a healed heart. Amen? The Bible says in Psalm 34, 18, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. You know, remember Brother Francis preached a message years ago and he said, who's the most important person in church? And, and I think the crux of the sermon was the person that has the greatest need. And I think this, I think that whenever the Lord comes to church on Sunday at Family Life Church, he's looking for the person with the greatest need and his heart is broken and he's, he's heavy hearted and he's saying, I don't want my child to live with a troubled heart. I want to heal them and I want to make them whole. Do y'all believe that this morning? Y'all receive that this morning? Amen. Come on, we could be healed of a troubled heart. The third symptom of an unhealthy heart is a hard heart. Proverbs 28, 14 says, a tender-hearted person lives a blessed life, but a hard-hearted person lives a hard life. A tender-hearted person lives a blessed life. A hard-hearted person lives a hard life. Now, I believe we're all born with tender hearts, but life has a way of hardening our heart. Life has a way of hardening our heart. You know, a hard heart usually results from from harsh treatment, emotional hurts, rejection, betrayal, verbally or physically abused. These things like hardness. And the problem is a hard heart will keep you from living a blessed life. And, and sometimes it's no fault of your own. You know, I remember Tanya and I, we were working with uh, inner city kids and we were bringing them to, uh, to a park and to play. And, and I remember, you know, the, 
you know, some kids were just coming into the bus and, and one child, you know, sat right here and, and it was actually the grandma that was with the child and, 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 uh, and the child, the grandma wanted him to sit at this seat, but we all walked in the bus together. There's no way the child knew that. And the child sat in the wrong pew. And man, I'm telling you, that lady slapped that kid and I, I, my mouth dropped saying, man, the chances of this kid growing up with a tender heart it's not not very good. How many of you know life will harden your heart? Life will harden your heart. And the problem is when you have a hard heart, it keeps you from moving forward in life. How do you, how do you know if your heart has become hard? You tend, you tend to lose your emotional tenderness. When you become hard-hearted, it's hard for you to laugh or cry. You're just like numb. You usually become stubborn, unyielding, and even rebellious towards authority. You develop a harsh, critical, judgmental spirit towards others because you're speaking out of the hardness of your own heart. And you usually become very close-spirited and you keep everyone else at arm's length. In fact, most marriages fail because of the hardness of heart. In Matthew 19, 8, Jesus said to them, because of your hardness of heart, Moses permitted you to divorce. See, hardness of heart occurs whenever there's harsh mistreatment. You know, hardness of heart, you know, happens in the context of relationships. And so what do you do when your life has hardened your heart? What do you do if you say, man, I feel like my heart is hard. It's hard for me to have compassion. It's hard for me to have any sympathy. It's hard for me to have any, any kind of emotional feeling. What do you do? Well, I believe the key is you got to open up your heart to the spirit of God's grace. How many of you know God's grace can soften your heart? The good news is God's grace can give you a whole new heart. Amen. Ezekiel 36, 26. God says, I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and I will give you a tender, responsive heart. That's the kind of heart I want. What about you? Amen. See, so he's saying through my grace, you can have a heart transplant. You can have a heart transplant. Isn't that great news? And so it doesn't matter how hard your life has made you. The good news is that you're, you can have a brand new heart. Amen. That's what the Lord said. I'll take that old heart of stone out and I'll give you a fleshly. I'll give you a tender heart. And that's what happened to the Apostle Paul. You remember the Apostle Paul was a Christian headhunter. And he was looking to take Christians out, man. He, he, hold, he held the code for those that were, that were just killing Christians. He was mean. He was tough, but he had an experience with the Lord and the Lord gave him a heart transplant. But a lot of people around him didn't believe it. And they and remember when, uh, who was it, Ananias or I can't remember that, that the message came, go tell Paul this, he said, you know who that dude is? I ain't gonna tell him nothing. I mean, he's mean and tell him, the Lord told me, I'm gonna tell him I'm a Christian. He's gonna take my head off. I am not gone. And he said, no, just go. It's gonna be all right. Come on, how many of you know Paul had a transformation? 
He had a change. And that's why the Apostle Paul, that's why with great conviction, he could say this. In 2 Corinthians 5, 17, he said, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things pass away, and behold, new things have come. Come on, the Lord can soften the hardest of hearts. Amen? You think of the hardest person that you know, and if you can just pick them out, and you in our natural mentality, we say, they will never serve the Lord. And the Lord said, that's who I specialize in right there. That's who I specialize in right there. I can take the hardest of hearts and I can melt that heart and make it putty in my hand. Amen. So there's hope for you and I. Amen. Would you agree with that? If you agree, say amen. And now a fourth symptom of an unhealthy heart is this, a prideful heart. How many of you know you can't be a friend of God with a prideful heart? You can't reach your fullest destination with a prideful heart. And man, of all the things to detect in your own life, talking about how hard our heart is to diagnose, pride is blinding. Pride is blinding. It's amazing. We're the last ones to know. Come on, let's have a better amen right there. Amen, amen. That's right. I know you didn't want to be prideful. Proverbs 16.5 says, The Lord detests all the proud of heart. Be sure of this, they will not go unpunished. Wow, that's strong. The Lord detests the prideful heart. You know, when you think about what does the Lord like and what does He doesn't like, He does not like a prideful heart. In fact, Proverbs says there's, some, there's like seven things the Lord hates. One of them is an arrogant look. Two ways to detect if you have a prideful heart is, number one, you tend to have an inflated opinion about yourself. You feel you're more important than others. You feel you're better than others. You you carry an air of superiority that usually is detected by your attitude and your treatment of others. And you tend to have a tough time relying on and turning to God for help. A prideful person doesn't see the need or importance of seeking God. A prideful person uh, don't think they need God to help them handle life situations. A prideful person is self-reliant instead of God-reliant. And so here's the problem with a prideful heart is it keeps you from experience the grace of God. It'll keep you from experiencing God's grace in your life. And I honestly believe that the reason some people have such a tough time in life is because of a prideful heart. They have a heart disease that many times they don't even know they have it. Some people struggle through life, all their life, because their unwillingness to rely and turn to the Lord. Some people just turn to the Lord just for the fire insurance, like to be saved, and after that, They got things to do and places to go. And they don't rely on the Lord anymore. James 4, 6 says, God opposes the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. The key to being healed of a prideful heart, I believe, is just just really choosing to humble yourself. And that's what James 5, 10 says, humble yourselves before the Lord, and He will lift you up in honor. You see, we can choose 
to humble ourselves. You know, I, you know, I think one of the ways that you can detect whether your, 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 your heart is getting diseased by pride is when you talk a lot about yourself and you tell a bunch of stories about yourself when all the focus is on yourself. Come on, that's good preaching right there. Amen. And so whenever you use the word I a lot, that's a good sign that you, you need healing. Amen. And, um, you know, you know that you're not humbling yourselves whenever you just live your life without turning to God. See, we can choose to humble ourselves every day through Bible reading and through prayer. Every day. How many of you know that's a sign of humbling yourself before God? You see, if you don't need God, you don't read your Bible, you don't pray. Every week we can humble ourselves before God by attending church and fellowshipping with His family. If you don't need God, there's no need to go to church. Every month you can humble yourselves before God by honoring Him with your finances by tithing. Come on, I need a better amen right there. But see, if you're proud, you don't need to, you don't need to give anything to God. It's yours. It's not God's. Every year we can humble ourselves before God by prayer and fasting. The point is we have to choose to humble ourselves. We have to choose to humble ourselves before God. God is not going to put our arm behind our back and say, if you don't bow your knee to me, I'm going to break your arm. He's a gentleman. He'll never do that. He says, you have the choice. Live with pride or humble yourself before me. Amen. How many of you think humbling ourselves is the best scenario? James 4.10, humble yourself before the Lord. The great promise, he will lift you up. No doubt God has and always will bless those who keep their heart right. Question is, is my heart right or is it diseased? You know, we have to guard it and it's the hardest thing. It's the greatest job we'll, we'll ever, the greatest challenge we'll ever have is keeping track of our heart. Because our heart has a way of getting blocked up. And so the way, the reason rather, that we should worry about guarding our heart is because it affects everything in our life. And so, you know, really, if we would just take the moment, take a moment to just say, God, how is my heart? And is my heart blocking? Is my heart hindering me? And if we just allow the Lord to deal with our heart, I believe we can just change things in our life. Do you all agree with that? Does this make sense to you this morning? Gorge your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Now, how do you keep your heart right? How do you get and keep your heart spiritually healthy? Let me just share three attitudes, and we're going we're gonna to close. Number one is the attitude of repentance. You know, repentance means to change your mind about something. Repentance means to change the way I think about something by accepting what God says about it. You see, that's what it means. And if we will repent about our wrong motives and attitudes and ungodly behavior, how many of you know God forgives? He forgives and He heals and He gives us new hearts. But you know what? We can stay, we can live our life with a diseased heart and know that we have impurity in our heart and just go to our grave with that. And all we have to do is just acknowledge it, admit to it, acknowledge it to God, ask Him to forgive us, and the Lord will give us a change of heart through the power of repentance. 
Acts 3.19, that's a great verse. It says, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out and that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Amen. The attitude of repentance, the attitude of dependence. Proverbs 3.5 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. You know, you know, in the natural, you would think somebody that's not got a, a good heart, that man, they're wicked, they're ugly, they're violent, they're, they're mean-spirited, you know, and all that. But, you know, really in God's vernacular, you know, whenever your heart is diseased, when your heart is not right, it's really when you're not trusting the Lord. We think it's like, well, man, I'm not murdering anybody. I'm not like, you know, I'm not stealing. I'm not going to rob anybody's house or a bank or nothing. I'm not, I'm a pretty good guy. The question is, are you trusting in the Lord? Are you trusting in the Lord? He says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trusting in the Lord means depending on the Lord. Trusting on the Lord means allowing God to direct your life. Trusting in the Lord means depending on the Lord to help you make it through life. You know, Asa, listen, he was a great king. God had blessed him and he got disease in his feet. And the Bible says instead of turning to God, he was turned to the physicians and he refused to turn to God and he died with diseased feet. Man, our natural bent is to rely on ourselves. But God is exhorting us and he's challenging us and he's calling us to say, trust in me with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. Acknowledge me in all your ways and I'm going to direct your steps. Come on, how many of you know he'll direct you on the right path? Come on, he'll put you on the right path. Amen. Come on, y'all with me this morning. And then finally, the third attitude we, we need to possess to have, keep our heart right is the attitude of desperation. You know, you're familiar with this verse, First, First Chronicles 4.10. Now Jabez called on the God of Israel saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my border and that your hand might be with me and that you would keep me from harm and that it might not pain me. And God granted him what he requested. That's a good verse to pray right there, right? I like to pray that verse. Jabez called on the God of Israel. Now, whenever you read that verse, you don't get the full meaning until you just kind of study it a little bit. Whenever he called, you know what it actually means? It means to shout loudly. Now, some of us, if somebody shouted towards the Lord, we would say, would you be quiet? Would you quit making a scene? Oh, that's given me the, oh, why do you got to be so loud? But Jabez shouted to the Lord. He shouted. In other words, he could care less what other people thought. He wanted God's intervention in his life. He wanted God's blessing in his life. And so he said, Lord, I pray that you bless me. Come on, you got to get desperate sometimes. You remember the two blind beggars? They, 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 were, they, they needed healing, man. They needed physical healing. They were poor. They needed God to work in their life big time. Amen. And so they were desperate to meet God. And the Bible says in Matthew 9, 27, Jesus went from there and the two blind men followed him, crying out, have mercy on a son of David. And when he entered the house, the blind men came up to him and Jesus said to him, do you believe that I'm able to do this? And they said to him, yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes saying, it shall be done according to your faith. Now these men 
cried out in desperation. Again, crying in the Greek means to scream or to yell at the top of my lungs. So, you know, what are you telling me, Todd? I need to start screaming whenever I come to church. Scream out to God. No, I don't think it's the volume of your prayer. I think it's how much heart is in your prayer. I think if your heart is in it and you're desperate for the Lord and your heart is really after it, I think something moves the hand of God when you just get hard, when you just get desperate and you just get, you just get really just, just hungry for God to move in your life. I believe God will move in your life and he'll just do things in your life to help you have a healed and a healthy heart before the Lord. Amen. Come on, just stand with me and let's close in prayer this morning. Guard your heart above all else. Because it it affects everything in your life. Jeremiah 29, 13 says this. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with your whole heart. When you search for me, some of you in here this morning, you needed to hear this. You need to up your game spiritually. You need to up your game spiritually. You need to press in a little harder. Come on, you just need to, you just need to just develop that attitude of, man, if, like, like the blind beggars, you know, they were crying out, Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Jesus didn't turn, so they cried even louder. Lord, have mercy. They're saying, they were, they were kind of like Jacob, you know, that wrestled with the angel. They saying, Jesus, you not coming to my city and leaving my city unless you come over here and put your hand on me. I'm blind. I need your healing. I need your touch my life today. I need you to help me. Come on, how many of you feel desperate for the Lord this morning? How many of you feel like you need God's hand? Come on, how many of you feel stirred this morning that you need God to work in your life, to move in your life, that you need healing in your heart this morning? Let's pray and let's ask God to come. Father, in the name of Jesus, we cry out to you and we say, Lord, come, come this morning. Come this morning. Come on, just let's take a moment and just cry out. Lord, I need a new heart today. Lord, I need a new heart. Lord God, I pray. Father, come this morning and touch my life. Lord, I don't want a troubled heart. I want a peaceful heart. Lord, I don't want an impure heart. I want a pure heart. Lord, I pray, come today. Lord, I don't want a hard heart. I want a soft heart before you. Lord Jesus, come. I don't want to have a prideful heart. I want to have a humble heart. Lord, change our heart. Give us heart transplants today. Lord, thank you, Father, that you're coming today and that you're releasing your grace over this house right now. And that, Lord, we're receiving Come on, if you have the liberty and have the freedom, just lift your hands towards heaven and just say, Lord, I need a new heart. I want a new heart. Lord, I need a I need a healthy heart. Lord, come and heal my heart. Heal my heart. Lord, of all, oh, all ungodliness, heal my heart of all disease today. Lord, I want a right heart. Lord, heal my heart of all trouble, of all stress, of all fear, of all grief. Lord, heal my heart. Lord, take the weight off of my heart. Lord, I pray today in the name of Jesus that you would release your grace over this place. I'm believing that by the Spirit, something supernatural is happening in the hearts of the people that are in this room today. Thank you, Lord, for your Spirit and your grace is creating in us a new heart and giving us a new heart, Lord. Thank you, Father God, that, Lord, you are moving today in the name of Jesus. Now, do me a favor and just put your hands down for just a moment. And I want to just, I just want to ask 
If you've never given your life, you've never surrendered to your life, you've never given your life to Christ totally, completely, and fully, where you know without a doubt that you're a Christian, and today you say, man, I need to get my heart right. I need to get my heart right with God. I'm ready to do that. I'm ready to do that. Would you pray for me, Todd? If that's you, would you just do me a favor and just raise your hand like this so I can see it? And if there's one hand that goes up, and right over here, right over here, I see your hand. Anybody else, just raise your hand. Raise it high. You're the most important person in this room. The Lord wants to save you. The Lord wants to bring you into his family. He loves you. He don't want anybody to perish. He don't want anybody to be left out. And he wants you to be a part of his great family. Pray this prayer with me. We're all going to pray. I see your hand right over here. Just pray this prayer and be sincere about it. Say, Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. And I know my heart is diseased. But I believe you can change it. And I'm asking you to change it. Lord, I repent. I confess I'm a sinner. And I need forgiveness. Would you forgive me? Would you cleanse my heart? Thank you, Jesus, for accepting me just like I am. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen and amen. Amen. And listen to all of you that raise your hands to pray that prayer for the first time. Man, welcome to the family of God. It's the best decision you could ever make in your life. Amen. The Bible says that when you, when as many as receive them to them, he gave the right to be called children of God. You got a place at his table. Amen. Now listen, you need to learn what that's all about. If you uh, pray that prayer, there's a card in your pew with a green stripe that says, I made a decision. I encourage you to fill that out. Come up to one of the pastors, ask them to pray for you. And and we got a a gift, a Bible for you, some resources just to help you get started or bring it into the lobby and and they will help you right in the info center right there. Amen. Come on. How many of you glad you're saved today? How many of you glad you're a Christian today? All right. One more week three prayer meetings a day. Father, I pray the favor of the Lord be on the people of God. I release them, God, in your hands and your care. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed. You have a great day.